Hi, I'm Zach, and uh, I wish I was hypersexualized for like one week, and then it was over, because it's not great, but I just want to know what it would feel like, you know, like, if, if maybe for a week it'd feel good. <laughs> I don't know. You wish women would sexualize you. Yes, specifically. Yes, like uh, hypersexualization of me, of me, like Leo DiCaprio status like uh you know ryan reynolds you know taking out like i just wish people were like i wish there was an instagram dedicated to my feet you know like that kind of sexualization like they like they just find pictures of me barefoot and that's all they post morgan you heard it here first zach <laughs> wants an instagram of his feet just for a week like i just want people not that i want that i just want people to be interested in that for a week like that's how much i'm sexualized and then they forget about me maybe a better intro zach could have been like i wish i was leonardo dicaprio for a week yeah that sounds cliche i just okay, i fine. like I like thinking that I was hypersexualized to the level of Leo. I still want to be me. Like, I still want to be me, but I just want to be <laughs> that level just for a little bit and know what it feels like. Yeah, Leo Flair. I just feel my hole getting deeper and deeper and deeper as I'm trying to explain myself out of this. Okay, I'm just going to shut up now. Way to kick off gender roles, Zach. Way to kick off gender roles. Good job. Now that we spent a minute and 39 seconds <laughs> introing Zach... My name's Caitlin, and sex sells part two, or does it? Yes, I love it. And this is Manipulating the Masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Alrighty, we're going to continue on our journey of gender bias in advertising. Last podcast, we ended in the 70s, where we saw women starting to be portrayed as hypersexualized. Whereas prior to that, in the 50s, the 60s, even the 1800s, we saw it very uh, founded in roles. So women were very much the caretakers of the home. Men were very career oriented. Uh, the seventies was when we started to see hypersexualization. So we're going to continue on that journey. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Another podcast where Zach might not be saying a lot. I already started off terribly. So I've like learned my lesson again. I got loose after part one and I was like, I didn't do so bad. And that just was you my got device. a little cocky. You got a little cocky. I did. Kind of I did. As as white men have a tendency to do. So yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fair. So I will say to cover my basis that in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, even not all ads were hypersexualizing women. We did see an influx, and of course, feminism was starting to take off. Uh, women were starting to be more career oriented, so we did see a lot of advertisements directed towards the woman in the career space. However, I do want to preface that for the purpose of this podcast specifically, we will only be focusing on the ads that uh, are hypersexualizing women and the effects of what happened with society because of mm. that. So Zach, I'm, I'm gonna put, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just put you on the spot right here, right oh, now. Let's just get this me. over with. 
from a male perspective, are you more likely to buy a product if there's a woman in the advertisement? And this doesn't even have to be like a woman sexually advertising it, just if she's there. Do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, my brain says no, but I know in my heart of hearts, like a nurturing, like I, I trust inherently women more like i think it's evolutionary to some degree but like you know if a woman's telling me something i trust it a little bit more uh i don't know if that's me but i i think men are uh, they yeah i'm not gonna even dig a hole yeah that's what i'm saying i yes i trust women a little more i think instinctively evolutionary status God damn it. I'm fucking up today. No, no, your answer was better than mine. Basically, you just said uh, women are more trusting. When I really thought about this, I was like, yeah, women are more fun to look at. And that was me being a woman. I like blatantly <laughs> said that out loud. So you had a better answer than I did. <laughs> But even me, like as a woman, I am typically more likely to buy from a woman as well, probably, but because I can relate to her a lot more. Um, even taking everything out of the equation, it's like women relate to women. Oh, can I tell you a fun story relating to that is uh, on the New York City subway, uh, they have a female voice that gives instructions to passengers like doors opening on the left. They have a male voice that gives warnings to passengers like train approaching because they believe you will hear, if you hear from a man a warning, you will take that a little more seriously. And we're more likely to listen to women when it's instructional and like guiding us. Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. I'm so happy you contributed to this podcast with that fun fact. <laughs> Woo! There we, go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. So, although ads have come a long way, it's very clear that women exist for the consumption of consumers, uh, primarily men. Mm. Um, and in ads, it's very much obvious that women are seen as more of a decorative object more than anything. So, here's some stats throw th to throw at you from. 1979 to 1991, nude or partially nude images of women increased nearly 30%. Sociologists at the University of Buffalo reviewed more than a thousand Rolling Stone covers. A thousand over the course of four decades. Shout out Buffalo. Shout out Buffalo. <laughs> they found that sexualized representations of both men and women have become more common over time. In the 1960s, 11% of men and 44% of women on the covers of Rolling Stone were sexualized. In the 2000s, 17% of men were sexualized, which is a 55% increase. And 83% of women were sexualized, which is an 89% wow. increase. In Jeez. addition to that, notice I did use the word sexualized. Women were much more likely to be hypersexualized. And that's kind of the idea of showing a combination of multiple sexualized attributes. So let me pause and just kind of define those two characteristics for a second. Yeah, um, please. When I talk about sexualized, 
let's paint a picture of a woman on the cover of Rolling Stone and maybe she has her top off, but there's a guitar covering her breasts. It's very clearly sexually, sexually charged, but maybe her, her face is just kind of goofy or there's like cats in the background or something or her makeup there's just no not a lot of glamour whatever there's the a lot of Rolling Stone cover ever yeah that doesn't actually <laughs> exist I really I was like cats in the background <laughs> I was trying to follow you and I was like this is becoming a strange Rolling Stone cover but I, I get no point taken point taken though <laughs> there's just a lot of diff- there's so many elements that go into an image that go into photography that one of those elements is sexually charged, Mm. but the other 10 are not. So it's kind of inviting the user to kind of either paint their own story, write their own story of what's happening, um, or maybe it's even a little comical. Hypersexuality is this idea of every single element in the image being sexualized. So one example is Christina Aguilera. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone. She was ass naked I think there was a guitar covering her private parts, but her hair was just glamour. Her makeup was beautiful, just like kind, you know, very yeah. heavy glamour. And she was even in a rose bed, like a bed of rose petals, or she was like on some sort of bed, and everything was kind of like this red color, very like obviously sexually charged. Is it color yeah. red? Um, so every single element is really alluding to hypersexuality. You cannot, gotcha. you cannot infer anything else from that. Cover. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So there's a couple of covers out there that like maybe men have their tops off and their, you know, that's, that's a sexual cover, but it's not hypersexualized. So we saw mm-hmm. women just really pushing the realm of sexuality. Do you have an example of what would be a hypersexualization of a man in that period? And if you don't, like during that time, then we can cut this. But do you have an example of like how they would hypersexualize men? Is there like, I'm just trying to, you know, I got a lot of naked men in my brain right now and I'm just trying to figure out what's the line. It's That's a really good point though, actually, because women's bodies, you can take that so far without actually showing any nudity and it could still be hypersexualized versus men you can only take it so far yeah like where when do you draw the where do you draw the line for men like yeah it, I, mean, I understand there will be other elements maybe it's hypersexualized if he has a shirt off and he's in like shorts and there's like you know scantily clad women like hanging yeah. on him like everything about the picture is yeah that, and he's being hypersexualized you know yeah but that still almost wouldn't be objectifying him it would still be the women hanging on him scantily clad they would yeah. still be shown as the hypersexuality versus the man i'm thinking of like maybe cologne ads where they're all greased up and oiled mm-hmm. up and it's just you know you know you're gonna get laid if you wear chocolate that cologne. Bleu. The new chocolate bleu. <laughs> and he's just Coming like through. in a speedo. Yeah, in like a speedo. In the speedo diving yeah. off the some Italian coast and Yes, yes. But yeah, also I was yeah. gonna add too, it is it's a matter of like camera angles and the way you position the model. So gotcha. I'll get into that actually, and maybe then we can kind of infer what hypersexuality would look like in men in men. Yeah, I love it. 
So beyond just the study done on Rolling Stone, there was also a study done where they collected 500 different advertisements. And across the board, they collected uh, some measurable contrasts between the way men were perceived and women. And here are mm. a couple elements of that. Across the board, 500 advertisements, they noticed women's uh, would typically lower their head, whereas men would look at the camera straight on. Mm. Uh, men had a very strong grasp of whatever they were holding or posing like versus women were very airy, light on their feet, light touches. Um, women displayed over-the-top emotional displays, while men were very reserved and straight-faced. And this relationship between men and women was really portraying male power and female subordination. And I have a couple of those um, ads and editorials that they pulled. Uh, actually, I just kind of want to jump in and show you. So I'll start sharing yeah. my screen. And we'll link these in the Facebook group for those that are curious. Yes. So this is one that they studied. It's a Vogue cover and it has LeBron James and Giselle Bunchen, two people at the absolute top of their game, right? Like he's an yeah. all-star athlete. She is an all-star top model. Yet the dynamic of this power couple is very much she is solely there as a decorative object definitely Can you see that in that ad yeah she i mean she he's like he literally has like an intense like i won the game last second shot face like yeah and then she's like smiling and just like she's walking in sex in the city like she's an extra in sex in the city that it's a very they're clearly not in the same vicinity like they're yeah. not in the same room whatsoever because he's very much angry, powerful, and she is like smiling. Her hair is blown in the wind. She, her hand, look at her hand. It's very delicate. And he yeah. is like gripping a basketball um, and yeah. gripping her. He has her very tight to him. And then in the ad right next to it, and I'm sorry, I keep calling this one an ad. This is actually an editorial. Um, but in the editorial right next to it, again, he is sitting on a stool he's very that power stance of uh kind of putting his hands around his waist and she is on his shoulder leaning up against him propping herself up and very interesting and is he wearing the same thing in both the cover and the editorial picture and she's wearing two different for the most part yeah yeah and he's wearing sweats short like I don't know. You don't call these sweats. Athletic gear. I, how did I forget the word for basketball shorts? <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing basketball Cause shorts. Because <laughs> you're taken by the, the Giselle, not him in the ad. Yeah. I am. I am focusing on Giselle. Uh, and Giselle is in obviously fashionable attire, very like in one ad she's wearing a satin dress in the other one it's a white body form dress and each one is kind of clutching tight to her body and he's in fucking athletic attire so these are the type of ads that were really prevalent um i pulled another one this is oh my god this is like early 2000s um this one was published a, only a couple years ago 
And I loved this editorial. I loved it. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is uh, Gigi Hadid and uh, an athlete. What do you call this? Javelin thrower. Javelin. Javelin. He's an Olympic Mm -hmm. athlete. And I could argue that they're both in very domineering stances. So they're standing right next to each other. He is acting as if he's going to throw the javelin and she's looking in the same direction as him, kind of a power stance. She has her hand on her hip. The difference that I see and most notable is he is standing directly in front of her and has his arm directly across her chest. Um, I, I get like the different angles, like there's so much to work with and so much to unpack in this one ad, but this is recent. This was like in the past less than five years. So this kind of stuff is still happening. I mean, I look at this ad of Giselle and LeBron that was early two thousands. This happened three years ago. So there's still that power dynamic happening between men and women. Yeah. She definitely is secondary. And this was an ad for Nike. Uh, no, this is an editorial again. So this is not an ad. This is oh, an, editorial. Just an editorial. And it's a fashion editorial. So if you think if it's a fashion campaign, you think you would put the fashion model first. So let's see here. So photography. I want to I wanna talk a little bit about photography. This plays a big role in the way you see the models. Uh, so a couple of things that you can do with photography to help add to this power dynamic is um, if a model is gazing directly at the camera, they're demanding something of the viewer. So the study done with of the 500 advertisements, they're saying that the men were staring at the camera and the women were looking off to the side. So the men were demanding something mm. from the viewer versus in contrast, if you're looking off to the side, you're inviting the viewer to scan you as a source of information. Like, we don't really know what she's trying to or what they're trying to get across from us. So I'm going to kind of figure out what's on their body or maybe what they're trying to sell me if they're not looking directly at the camera. Mind blown. Just blue. Well, I was going to say, isn't that the same thing the New York City subway did? Like it's like if the if the model, these women that were mostly looking away, you're scanning them as a source of information and the men are, it's just like giving instructions. Yes. And the men are like looking at you, like they're demanding something of you. And yes. that's just like giving a warning, like you're making a demand. It yep. speaks to that. Crazy. Yes. Look yes. at us tying that together accidentally. So hey. good. Additionally, the way the angle of the camera, and this might seem a little bit obvious, but if you don't know photography, if you're shooting from the ground up, the model seems very big and powerful and and domineering versus if you're shooting down at the model, i.e. maybe they're on the couch or whatever it is, or, you know, whatever you're shooting down, they're very meek and, and docile. Um, so yeah. So those are the two different angles from the, from the ground up and then shooting down. Were men mostly shot from the ground up and women were mostly shot from the top down. Is that what is that what you're no, that to? piece of it wasn't detailed out in the study, uh, but that's also kind of when you're viewing mm. advertisements and you'll notice which ang- where the angle is coming from, then you'll kind of start to be in tune with what they're trying to get across. Gotcha. I got to pay attention to that stuff. 
Yes, it's, it's quite exciting once you start to be in tune with it. Additionally, in these advertisements, they noticed that females were often placed in sexually suggestive positions, whereas the male models in the ad are seen looming over the female. The females were often dressed in minimal clothing, or if any clothing at mm. all, um, and, evid- and that's obviously evidence that the female is being sexualized. So that was kind of my two studies yep. that I got yep. for you. I want to jump into an actual case study with American Apparel. American Apparel, do you know it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were big for a while. What happened? Are you going to tell me what happened? Like, you mentioned them now, and I'm like, wait a second. Where? What happened? Where did they go? Right? You'd never, ever think of American Apparel unless you're, like, walking on a college campus. That's a, That's what I think of when I think of American Apparel. I think of, like, it. there's a fucking American Apparel on every college campus. Like, uh, or the university app or something. I swear that in Urban Outfitters, like that was my quintessential college experience was those two stores. And whenever you needed just like a basic tee for, to like write on or for like Halloween or to dress up or a sweatshirt or something, you would go to American Apparel. So I just remember that being like very college life for me. Okay. Are they still around? No. Well, yes, they are. They are. They are. I spoiled it. I spoiled it. Sorry, I shouldn't ask that. We're cutting that out. I'm going to pretend like (laughs) you didn't tell me. So American Apparel, do you remember their ads at all? Oh, I mean, in the vague sense that they were weird and like like postmodern trendy and like just strange to the max. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember specific ones. No. Yeah, it's it just the vibe. Yeah, it's yeah. the vibe. I love that you said that. So, all their ads really shared a candid, amateur vibe, which was very different and a far cry from like the typical traditional glamorous fashion houses. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I think it stuck out in your head as like kind of the weird advertisements because you were so used to seeing the big fashion house advertisements, which were kind of the status quo. More on their ads, they were not glammed up models. Remember, they were like literal girl next door. Like, and not the sexy kind of girl next door. Like this girl lives next door to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like just regular people. Mm -hmm. Just regular people. So they weren't glammed up models. There were no like professional sets. A lot of the the amateur photography was like single flash. And you would see it like as if it was like a bedroom. Like there was a lot of beds and couches mm. and white walls, um, provocatively posed models. But to your point, like you didn't really know that they were provocatively posed until you think about it, until you, you hear that they were provocatively mm. posed and you're like, oh yeah, that was actually so weird Mm -hmm. like i feel uncomfortable now that i know yep you're so right i went through that in my head i was like provocatively posed and then i was like trying to think back and i'm like yeah okay that that makes sense makes sense so this sexually charged advertising has been criticized but it's also been kind of 
heroed as the honest advertising because there was like lack of airbrushing. You're not hiring top models. You're literally hiring the girl next door. Um, and in 2005, the company was named marketer of the year because of their ads at the first ever LA fashion awards, women's wear daily published a survey in April, 2007 from outlaw consulting, a creative research firm, tracking the habits of 21 to 27 year olds who ranked American apparel as the eighth most trusted brands brand ahead of clothing companies like H and M and Levi's. How do you mm, feel about that? Wow. Do you, do you think American apparel had that like trusting yeah. factor because they used like girl next door? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they did. I, I would, I would sense that would be the right thing to do. I mean, they did bring like, it was just, I think it was the regular people, you know, and fashion's yeah. all about breaking the trend as well as yeah. riding the trend. Like it's, it's a little bit yes. of, they did both, right? Like yes. they were breaking the trend while yes. serving like trendy clothes. So they were like, I think, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You're spot on. Um, I, I would said also- trend a lot. I said trend a lot right there. I need, You're getting I need it out. to come up with another word. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting out. Okay. So that was 2005. Now, later, 2008, the British Advertising Standards Authority got in there and they were like, wait a second, your ads are pretty controversial. They're overly sexual. They're kind of voyeuristic. I loved that word. They're so voyeuristic once you actually think about it. They're offensive. They're irresponsible. And then once the British Advertising Standards Authority got in there, then uh, its advertising strategy was looked at by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Um, And they were described as normalizing the objective objectification of women by regularly featuring nude young women, emphasizing their buttocks and their breasts. So they actually, American Apparel got hit hard uh, by these two kind of agencies. And so they started getting looked into. And then they found out that the founder of the company, its CEO, Dov Charney, it's D-O-V. I don't know if it's Dove, Dov. I don't give a fuck. I don't care to look into this guy any more than I already did. Um, (laughs) He was accused of keeping videos on a company server of him sexually engaged in sex acts with female models and employees. Oi. Why? Okay. No, I I mean, yeah, I just kind of wanted to unpack this for a second because advertising is so much like it reflects social and cultural norms. And then it also changes social and cultural norms. Like you just said about fashion, right? It like rides the rides the waves of trends, but it's also trying to be a trendsetter. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, this is an, so this is reflecting social and cultural norms of what was actually going on at American Apparel. He hired teenagers to model his clothing, scantily clad. And a lot of these advertising advertisements were just models in like socks or just like a t-shirt. And at first, mm-hmm. like to us, it was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, this is just a weird ad. But then you look into it a little bit further and you're like, wait a second, this girl 
girl's fucking 15 years old. All she's in is socks. And then like the tagline is, is something stupid. Um, and, and it all becomes very predatory. And then you partner that with what was actually going on behind scenes. And it just like makes your skin crawl. But they did it so subtle. I mean, yes. How would, Let's, why would you say being the branding person, why would they get away with that for so long? Like what? credit do you give like did they hide it was it subtle enough like that, i do i think it was subtle enough because the advertisements i remember was like maybe a girl in socks and you just saw like her legs or something but then they started getting more mm. and more risque so i pulled up an advertisement from american apparel um that's advertising body suits and thigh highs and the whole campaign is six shots of a woman on a bed and you do not see anything. You do not see her face. You barely see above her waist. And all it is, is a bodysuit, her legs and socks. And granted, some of the poses are like, okay, this is fine. But then you partner them with some of the other poses and she has her legs spread eagle. Uh, she, they've mm -hmm. taken it you know, she, they're shooting from behind. So all you see is her buttocks. So can you, can you explain something to me really quickly? Being a, a branding person, what would you say is the difference between this and pornography? Like not saying that they did that, but like, to me, it's basically no, amateur it pornography yeah. with a brand slapped underneath it. Yes. And I think I no, you're right. And I think it started off as, okay, let's do one photo of her with socks on and it became socially acceptable. They fucking hailed this company as the marketer of the year in mm. 2005. So then this guy, Dov Charney keeps getting more and more interested in pushing the boundaries. So he starts putting out more. He just, he just figures out what he can get away with until he can't anymore. Well, that's what I was saying. Wasn't there a whole campaign? The brilliance of it was predicated on pushing the boundaries, right? Yes. So yeah, if that's your whole thing. Yeah. So one, a couple other ads that I'm showing is a woman, she's up against a white wall. It almost looks like a casting photo for a modeling agency. Like she's not wearing any makeup again, harping on the girl next door. And, but she's, she doesn't have a top on and it says made in Bangladesh. And then, uh, her nipples are like, like pixelated, blurred out. So then you and, can't and, even see so, Bangladesh or the word in, like the word in and the word no. Bangladesh are like, and then, right. So then it's saying made bang dash, oh, which isn't a sentence, off. but you could infer fuck something off. from it. Yeah. Fuck off. So they even got like this, this is, this is what was wild to me. You might not recognize this model, but this is Miranda care Kerr, maybe she's an Australian model. She's again, top of the top of the charts, uh, right up there with Giselle Bunchen. Like she's a, uh, Victoria's Secret model. And she got her, they got her to model in these campaigns, the same kind of sexually exploitative direction, except it's a little bit more glamorous. So mm. everybody was on board with kind of pushing the boundaries until you figure out what's actually happening behind the scenes. And this isn't just like pushing the boundaries. This is a clear reflection of societal norms and, and cultural tendencies. So do you think in these, in these pieces that are hypersexualizing women, do you think, I mean, thigh highs and bodysuit to me is marketed to women, 
but they're using yeah really provocative photos so why what does that sell do you think yes like that works or what do you what's the i think yeah, we sorry. yeah i think we got that question out of the way in the first three minutes of it, where it was like, you think that women are more trusting. So you're inclined to buy from women. And I think also uh, being a woman, I would rather, I would prefer to buy from a woman because I relate to her a lot more. And then you put a woman that is not like, she might be a little bit heavier set or, you know, she's not airbrushed. So you see maybe like cellulite or, mm -hmm. you know, she's not societal's terms of perfect idea of perfect. So yes, I am more inclined to buy from her than I would be any other model who is, is promoting unattainable beauty standards. Did I buy a bodysuit and thigh high stockings? No, I didn't. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so I don't know. Can you think of an ad that changed social norms in your lifetime? Can you think of one specific ad? Yes. This is a, you asked me this prior, and it didn't take me long to come up with this. I think the one that really changed it in, in a weird sense was Kylie Jenner's Pepsi ad, where she just like walked Kendall. across and Kendall Jenner, Kendall Jenner. Fuck if I know the difference. Get so, your Jenners right, Zach. Get your Jenners right. Never. One of them gave the Pepsi to the cop and like everything was okay. Right. I think that changed our societal culture in a way that like now after that, we're calling out companies that just changed their logo to the gay pride flag. Just like the, we're, we're calling washing. out people trying to, yes, we're, we're calling out people trying to uh, speak to young political issues, like corporations trying to speak to that and leveraging that, like the capitalization of those societal issues. I think that changed a lot of the conversation being like, this is the stupidest fucking ad. Why police brutality and our issues with police are real. Don't fucking think that you can hand them a Pepsi, whatever Jenner and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right? And not only that, like you are glamorizing it by putting a top model in there and, yep. and a socialite. Uh, yep. So these issues aren't meant to be glamorized. I love that you came up with that. That's a great one. Thank you. Did you come up mm -hmm. with one? Did you answer your own question? No, that was a you question, not a question. <laughs> <laughs> can I say the milk campaign? <laughs> you can. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. Hey, there you go. We'll get a we'll we'll plug a promo spot for you on here. Thank you. <laughs> so I love that. I I wanna <laughs> kind of tie this all back to like where we're at now consequences of yes. hypersexualization for girls and women include anxiety about appearances, feelings of shame, eating disorders, lower self-esteem, and depression. And these seem very obvious, but there's actual statistics to talk about the effects of what of the ads that we grew up with in the 90s and the 2000s. You know, mm. this is kind of our generation. We soaked up all this media for 20 years, and we're just now seeing the consequences of what that has done as a society. Absolutely. Research conducted 
for the Dove Self-Esteem Project found that only 11% of girls worldwide would call themselves beautiful and six in 10 girls avoid Ugh. participating in life activities because of concerns about the way they look. Like, I have a real problem Ugh. with, like, children. Yes, that's the same sympathy as I had. It's like, fuck, dude. Like, oh, as an adult, heart. you can figure out how to work through your problems. And, like, you can use your resources. But yeah. children don't have resources. They don't understand what they're going through. They don't understand why they value themselves based off of their appearance. And six in 10 mm -hmm. girls do that. That is how they hold themselves. Yeah. And I can't even imagine nowadays where popularity is quantified through likes and through shares. Like popularity is quantified. There's a number behind it now. Followers, likes, like I cannot even imagine going through that like that's my biggest that's what i feel for the younger generation like growing up in that kind of environment that's so true you have a number attached to your self-esteem and we didn't have that exactly we still had the same issues but yep. i think a number adds like a whole other element that just terrible those those are ridiculous numbers one third of all six-year-olds in Japan experience low body confidence. Australian girls list wow. body image as one of their top three worries in life, while 81% of 10-year-old girls in the U.S. say that they are afraid of being fat. Oh, man. I don't even know what to say. No, usually I can dig out of that with a funny joke but that is just outright sad and needs to change well 81 percent of 10 year olds like that is not even these people don't 10 year olds don't have social media 10 year olds you know where is this low body confidence coming from i am taking a wild gamble here and i'm saying that it might be coming from the older generation that is raising them. And I understand that we're, we're maybe a little uh, bit more aware yeah. of how we're raising our children. Um, and there is a ton of movements for body positivity and obviously mental health. Like we are headed in the right direction. There's no doubt about that, but there is a ton of still a pervasive conversation around body image. So although there's some great movements mm -hmm, happening, mm -hmm. there's still a conversation happening underground where it's like, you do have to look a certain way because I'm thinking six year olds and 10 yeah. year olds are not exposed to a lot of outside conversations. They're well, exposed to conversations in the house. Oh, very, very. I think that's a very astute point. And it made me think to back my point up even further is that these kids may not have their own social media, but they, I mean, a lot of the modern parents are posting pictures of their kids. Like yes. they're trying to get likes. Like if their kids watching yes. you and they're obsessed with like getting validation, getting these likes, they're going to prioritize it as they grow up and they get their own stuff. It's that it's, just blew my mind because I'm so interested I'm so interested to know what are the long-term effects of posting your child online. I wonder what that does. I hate that. I wonder. I don't I know. There are no long-term effects because yeah. we haven't reached that point, but I don't know. Um, it so, bothers me though. It bothers me. 
the ads that we grew up with in the 90s and the 2000s, they were really telling us that there's only one culturally acceptable way to do femininity. There were no alternatives to being a female and girls and women didn't have decisions about how to look or how to behave. There was really only one. So that's why I think Mm. that also like our generation is starting to have kids now, or if not, like potentially raising teenagers by at this point. And so our generation was the one growing up with these hypersexualized ads that is now potentially passing it on to the next generation. So these six-year-olds and these 10-year-olds have these crazy self-confidence issues and, and are afraid of being fat. And, and yeah, this idea of fat phobia is a whole different topic that maybe we can dive into. I don't know if marketing has any, well, of course, marketing has something to do with it, but that's something absolutely it does i also think yeah i also think like i mean it it depends on the research beforehand but like you know you were a kid i was a kid like you know if you got in a little tiff with somebody and they were overweight like that's what kids do you just go right for the jugular yeah so like go after the easiest like, like that's yeah i i don't think that part has changed and maybe they can quantify that fear better but like I think all kids know, like, the, you know, the chubby kid gets made fun of, you know, and it's not a good thing, but that's just what, how kids' brains work. You know, they're going to, like, look at you and call you out on something. I can understand that fear, too. But, yes, okay, so what you're saying is, like, they know that children that are heavier set are the target of bullying. Yeah. So yeah. their fear comes is stemmed from being targeted for bullying. But what we need to do as a society is change this narrative of like, and this is actually, I've done a lot of own learnings about this word fat and fat is a body type. It's not a Mm. fucking insult just as skinny is a body type. And people really demonize this word fat and, uh, that's an insult to people, but it's not an, it's a type of body. So, you know, we work as a generation to raise the next generation of kids to just see a body type as opposed to an insult. I agree. I agree. How do you do that? Advertising probably. I mean, they're doing it now a little bit, right? Like they're mixing up body types. Right. And it's like, everybody can, yeah. Talk about that. I watched the uh, Savage Fenty show. You know, I know. Yeah, it's so bossy. I'm, One of my I'm favorites. It's <laughs> so about good. as deep as I get in the fashion world, but it was. It was, <laughs> it was an hour. If there's one half. runway show you watch, it's the Savage Fenty runway show. So good. Bossy. Okay. Done. Done. So you know, not only are women feeling this way. But men are also wildly influenced by the hypersexualization of women because they're being told that there's no shame in satisfying something as natural as their sexual urges. Mm. So what's the backlash on that, you ask? Sex crimes among college campuses have increased by 50% in the past decade. So in the past time that you and I... Yes. Yeah. It's been like a decade since you and I, right? Damn. 50%. Exactly. That's what made me that's what made me stop and think was like, well, wait a second. We were in college ten years ago and sexual crimes 
have increased since then 50% in the, in the decade that we've been out of school. So I'm like, how are those, like that didn't necessarily correlate. So I really thought about that. And I was like, it's, yeah, it's because those, those are the kids that we raise. Those are the kids mm. that come from those eighties and nineties and two thousands advertisement parents who were raised exposed to mm. hypersexualizing women. They raised those kids. So now those kids are in the environment where they're being told like, boys will be boys. It's fine because the parents were so exposed to these types of ads that the parents are saying boys will be boys. It's fine. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of my hypothesis is like, those are the kids in college that our generation raised that the older millennials and the yeah. Gen Xers raised. Yeah. I, I will add in, like when I think about that number two, like the, the rate, I will add in a very small, foggy silver lining to this is that yeah. I think part of it as well is uh, women feel more empowered to report, like to actually report these sexual uh, crimes. Like I feel like they're, they are more empowered to report them, which is why it, I, it, we're seeing an increase as well. It's not, it's not only because it might be happening more, which it might be, but also women are reporting it more and there are consequences more often. So I, I, I think that's the very light silver lining to this trend. Um, and we got to keep pushing. That's that, a really right? great point. Yep. That's a really great point. And I think you're spot on too, is there is more of a Thank safe you. environment for women to start speaking up. I agree. Oh, look at me coming back from, I started off slow, but I found my rhythm. <laughs> I, I found my rhythm, you know, I found my wheelhouse. I started off a little clunky, but I, I hear those numbers. Got, I'm on gate. I'm on my point. I'm on. You, you can sit at the table with us. Thank you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> So more stats, every 10 minutes, somewhere in the world, an adolescent girl dies as a result of violence. Nearly one in five girls oh. is sexually abused at least once in her life. One in five. One in five. One in five. I mean, I think about my own oh, friend group and there's eight God. of us, you know, and you're just looking around being like, which one of us was sexually abused, you know, at least Holy once in our lives. So it's like, you're very that close. 20 percent, 20 percent. That is mm -hmm. bonkers. Yeah. Wow. Um, in the United States, 18 percent of girls report that by age 17, they have been, been a victim of sexual assault. Yeah. You said 20, 18 percent. Um, Jeez. Or abuse at the hands of another adolescent. That's even more Jeez. crazy to me is adolescents also feel empowered to be, boys will be boys. Ugh. So I think I'll just wrap this up by kind of recapping that stereotypes and, and these advertisements are not only harmful to women and to girls. Oh my God, girls. Like if not for women, do it for children for fuck's sake. <laughs> but... For boys as well. It's harmful for boys. Boys, you know, not only are acting on their sexual desires because these advertisements are saying that it's okay to do so, but they're also kind of internalizing that success means 
that they are attractive and it's tied down to having kind of an arm piece. So they're always measuring up against these men who are domineering, who are kind of seeing looming over women and, and they're being seen as power powerful and aggressive. Mm. And, and so that's what boys aspire to be because of these advertisements. Um, so it's harmful Spot to everyone, on. not just Spot women. Spot on. Spot on. I'm not even going to add to that because you that's that's your voice. Hey, guys. Thanks for sticking it out with us. We'd love to hear your feedback, both good and bad. Again, we can take the bad reviews. We want to hear them. Leave us a review and let us know what you thought.